Good morning, new community. Good to be with you here this morning. As Carrie said, my name is Carla Myers. And if you have your Bible with you this morning, go ahead and get that ready. We're going to be looking at James chapter 1. We're not going to have the slides this morning with the scripture on them. So if you do have a Bible or app on your phone and you'd like to follow along, you can get that going there in James. So this is my third time visiting an evangelical covenant church ever. Um, It's my second time here at New Community Buckhannon, and I've been able to visit your church plant out in Elkins as well. For years now, my husband Jeremy and I have been searching for an evangelical covenant church anywhere near Morgantown. For 11 years, I was on staff with a campus ministry called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship in Morgantown, and my husband Jeremy, who's with me this morning, he still is. And about seven years ago, he and I started a chapter for international students at WVU. And when we were at our chapter planting training, several people mentioned that the materials that we were using were adapted from the Evangelical Covenant Church and shared more about the denomination with us and how um, there's a lot of parallels between InterVarsity and our values and the way that we do ministry and with the Covenant Church. That was exciting to us. Um, We were came home, we searched the internet, we're like, where is a covenant church in West Virginia? And seven years ago, there wasn't any. Um, The closest one was in the Pittsburgh area. And we thought, well, that's a little far to drive on a Sunday morning, so we won't be going there. And basically, we just dropped our search. Did we know that it was probably about that same time that Justin and Carrie were praying about coming back to West Virginia, coming to Buckhannon here, and affiliating with the Evangelical Covenant Church to start a new community? So I'm glad Jeremy and I didn't give up our hope for the Covenant Church coming to West Virginia. And it's actually very exciting that all these years later, we're going to be able to tap into the vision of new community And we hope to bring this kind of church to Morgantown here in the near future. We currently have about 10 people that have been meeting weekly in our home since the beginning of the year. We've been studying scripture together, looking at Ephesians and learning about the the early church and the values there and um, how they worked. And um, we've been doing some gathering events to invite new people in and just to build community and, and get to know one another. So it's been very cool. It's been a very organic experience at this point, seeing who God's been bringing along. We are working with the Covenant Church, uh, going through their church planting process to become an official church plant, and we hope actually early 2019 to officially launch in Morgantown. So I hope sometime I get to share more of that story with you about church planting as it unfolds in Morgantown. But this morning, I'm going to share with you another personal story, and this is one about our family, and particularly about my son. His name is Hunter. And thinking back to seven years ago, when I first heard about the Covenant Church, it reminded me of a time, like this time in our lives seven years ago, and I have a picture to show you of that. Here's a picture of me with our son Hunter seven years ago. Uh, This is in front of the Capitol Building in Madison, Wisconsin, That's where we were for our chapter planting training to to learn more about um, how to start a group on campus for internationals. And in this picture, Hunter's about 10 months old, and he was a very happy, as you can see, content little boy. 
He slept through the night. He was one of those babies, uh, and he just met all of his milestones for growth and the abilities that he was supposed to have at this age. Do you ever look back at pictures from, of yourself from, from the past? This one was from seven years ago. And do you ever think, I wish I could prepare that person, you know, whatever, whatever your name is. For me, I wish I could prepare that, that Carla from 2011 and all the life experiences that she was going to have, both expected and unexpected, the surprises, the disappointments. I wish I could like, warn her of, of what's to come. Well, from the point this picture was taken, another 14 months would pass in, in the story I'm going to share with you this morning. Hunter's little sister was born during that time, and Hunter continued to progress well. He was a very physically active little kid, and um, he started speaking a few words here and there. At his two-year-old well check, I was there with the pediatrician, and the, the pediatrician asked me, is Hunter combining words yet? He's saying things like, look, truck, or mommy, go, you know, anything like that. And I remember explicitly saying to the pediatrician, no, he's not doing that. And the pediatrician was like, oh, it's, a, you know, the words will come, you know, just watch for them. So that's what I did. So another six months went by, and Hunter was about two and a half, and he was still not combining his words. The pediatrician didn't give me a timeline to check back to see if things were progressing, and we just went on living our lives. I had an eight-month-old baby at this point. I was still working full-time. And with Hunter being my firstborn, it didn't occur to me that there was really any problems to think about. We were just waiting for more words to come. And I heard all kinds of things from other people. Oh, I know someone who didn't talk till they were three. Oh, your uncle, he didn't speak until he was four. You know, there was all these things that people told me, don't worry about it. And I, okay, I actually didn't worry about it. So one day I was um, sitting in a MOPS meeting. MOPS stands for Mothers of Preschoolers, and it's a, a community gathering uh, to have fellowship with other moms of preschoolers, and sometimes it's educational, sometimes it's fun. This happened to be a day where a speaker was there from West Virginia birth to three. And they were giving a presentation on uh, children and their milestones from ages um, zero to three, and one of the workers looked, looked out and she said, if your two-year-old isn't talking to you, then you need to call us. And for me, it was like the light bulb went on. All of a sudden, I realized my two-year-old is not talking to me. And I realized something wasn't right. So I came home and I talked with Jeremy and we decided to make contact with West Virginia Birth to Three. An intake worker came to our house and she asked us a lot of questions about Hunter, extensively. And she even asked things about things that he did that I had never even considered before. We, we ended up telling her this story about Hunter and how um, when we would load the dishwasher, he would come, come over to the dishwasher and he would rearrange the dishes. He wanted them a certain way in the dishwasher. You know, he's two. And, you know, she's like, tell me more about that. I'm like, why does this woman want to know about, you know, that's just something he does, you know? And so we told her more about that and some other particularities that he had. So she told us that we definitely needed to have a speech evaluation for Hunter. And they would send over their developmental specialist. 
but that we also, also should do an occupational therapy evaluation because there may be some sensory issues that Hunter was dealing with. And when she said that, I didn't even know what that meant at that time. So Hunter started having these evaluations, and it wasn't until we came together as a team to share the results and talk about next steps in treatment that a word came up that I had never considered before. Autism. I can't even tell you who the first person was to say it. I don't know if it was the intake worker, the occupational therapist, somebody else on the team. But let's just say I was very resistant to that word. My immediate reaction was, my kid doesn't have autism. And then I checked myself and I realized I don't even know what autism is exactly. And I was experiencing waves of emotions and questions. I was confused. I, was, I had shame. I was angry. I was sad. Why didn't I do something sooner? Am I a bad mom? God, why didn't I do something? What's wrong with my son? This is not how I planned or I expected to be. How about you? Have you ever sat in a tension like that? Like one minute, you're just going on, you're living your life, you're going through your day-to-day -day routine, and you think everything is okay, and then one day you realize you're about to face a major challenge and something that is just unknown, how it's going to work out in your life. Could be a child with a developmental disorder, a car accident, an affair, an unexpected death, a bill that came that you didn't think you were going to get. Your car breaks down. We don't plan for unexpected things. We don't walk around living our lives just waiting for something bad or hard to happen. When I look back on that picture from seven years ago, I know that Carla in that picture had she had no idea was about what was about to come her way. So this morning, I'm going to do a little teaching from the book of James. As I was sharing with your pastor, Justin, our story about our unexpected diagnosis and journey with Hunter, and how I wanted to share that with you today as part of your summer story series, he encouraged me to look at James as a potential source of scripture and to teach from and make the connection to our story. And I'm glad he recommended it, because in the last couple of weeks, as I've spent time in the Word, really understanding what it says, I think it speaks well into our story about Hunter, and that it'll be a very encouraging word to you all as well. I hope that it speaks into a situation that may have been unexpected that you've gone through, one that you're going through right now, or one that is to come. So James, this book, uh, the first verse actually, gives us an idea of who James is and who his audience is. The author is James, and he's the brother of Jesus. And we know this because he is not identified as any other James in the scripture. It would say James, and then there'd be a comma, and then it would give a descriptor of who he was. But this was the most prominently known James. He was the Lord's brother, and um, so he didn't need any other identifying factors. 
His audience would have been mostly Jewish Christians at the time and any other Jews who would listen. And he was responding to the trials of poverty and oppression that they were faced by the Jewish Palestinian peasants of his day. And as you'll see today as we read the scripture, there are several ideas and characteristics about God that would have been familiar to those of this Jewish heritage. Let's read together, starting in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Jewish tradition repeatedly stressed the virtue of of enduring testings and occasionally stressed joy in them due to faith in God's sovereignty. Wow. Joy in the testing of your faith due to faith in God's sovereignty. How many of us face an unexpected trial or situation in front of us and immediately think, I need to find the joy in this because of who God is, because he's sovereign. And not just joy, but pure joy. And not just joy or because of God's sovereignty, but I'm going to commit to this process because it's going to build me up, I'm going to persevere, and I'm going to become mature. Who wants to go through that? Who thinks that when you first come upon these these unexpected problems? Well, let me tell you, in our story with Hunter, how he found pure joy and perseverance. And all of those feelings and questions that I just shared with you about Hunter's potential diagnosis, I had concern, shame, sadness, anger, Did you hear me say joy in that? I'm not going to say that I immediately looked at our unknown situation with joy, faith, and perseverance. I will say that what I did know is that I knew that we needed Jesus in what we were about to face. So I took my anger, my shame, my confusion, confusion, my sadness, and I invited Jesus into that and we marched forward together in this challenge ahead of us. So back to autism for a moment. I started doing a ton of research to help me understand more about the disorder, even though I was terribly resistant that this could be something that my my son has. As I said, we had invited Jesus to be part of the process, even though I didn't know exactly what to do other than to pray and to ask other people to pray for us. But as we did pray, I did feel led to start looking for the joy in the process. And the first memory I have or thing that came to mind was that God allowed me to be in that MOPS meeting that day. I was there, the team from West Virginia birthed the three, and listening and hearing that worker say, if your two-year-old is not talking to you, you need to call us. I am grateful and that, that I was there. That's how I, ex- I experienced joy in just knowing that I was there and we got the help that we needed. I don't know how much longer I would have waited to get the help that we needed. I tell everyone, and I'll say it here too, if you have a child in your life that's from birth, just born to age three, 
and you think that they may have a delay, I encourage you as your, their parents to call West Virginia Birth to Three or, or talk to the parents and encourage them to call. It's a free service in this state. They come to your home. You don't need a pediatrician's referral and they'll do the evaluations. And then if, you do, if your child does need help, all the specialists and therapists come to your home to help work with your child. So take advantage of that. There's no shame in it. Like I said, it's free. And it's a lot harder to navigate and find out what kind of help does your child, if they have some sort of developmental, developmental delay, it's a lot harder to find that help and services after age three. But if you're in birth to three, they'll help you transition after your child turns three. We had some really great specialists and therapists interacted with Hunter for um, just the 80 days we had left to be part of West Virginia Birth to Three. Like I said, he was already two and a half, and by the time we had started the process and got all the evaluations and figured out what kind of treatment he needed, there were just 80 days left before he turned three. One particular joy I experienced with um, this, this team and the West Virginia Birth to Three experience that I want to share with you today was with the occupational therapist that was assigned to Hunter. Her name was Crystal. Crystal would come to our home and talk with me about how to parent my special needs child and what strategies to start working on with him. And she very gently pushed me to start pursuing uh, an evaluation for autism. I think she could sense my resistance, but she was very gentle. And she explained more to me about the disorder and she also talked about how for the sake of all of us, for Hunter, for us as his parents, for all the people that interact with him, for his treatment moving forward, getting a diagnosis would be the most helpful thing for all of us. It would take another 10 months from the time that we met Crystal for us to officially get an autism diagnosis for Hunter. But I'm grateful for God that he put her in our lives. Crystal showed me how to bring joy into our home and how to persevere in this new way of life for Hunter and our family. She taught me and gave me strategies to help Hunter to have joy in his life so that his particular sensory needs could be met in a way that was most helpful for all of us. I believe Crystal was one of the best in her field and she was brought into our lives for just a short 80 days to teach me how to parent and to give my son what he needed. And she also helped soften my heart towards an autism diagnosis. You know, it just wasn't one day that I realized that we were in a new season and in an unexpected and challenging time in our lives. But once we were in it, and we were starting to accept that Hunter's journey was going to be different than that of his typical peers, Jeremy and I continued to turn to Jesus and allow him to our hearts through the process. I think it would have been easy to go another road, to turn and to blame God, to be mad that my plan and my expectations for my son had been disrupted. I'm not going to lie and say it was just easy to accept the hunter was different and that he had a different, difficult, unknown road ahead. It was a choice that Jeremy and I had to make to find joy in the process, to submit to the perseverance. And sometimes daily we had to make that choice. 
but I'm glad that we did. It made our experience so much more full of Christ as we looked for the joy and submitted to God's plan for building perseverance in us. Let's keep reading in James. James 5 through 8 reads, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. As we spent those 80 days in West Virginia birth to three, I really believe Jeremy and I began to seek God and ask for his wisdom, and he gave it to us. Verse 6 says, You must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. God was meeting our son's need by providing all this help from West Virginia birth to three. And now it was time to make a decision about what would happen now that he was turning age three and we had to transition into finding new services and treatment. An option that was presented to us for continuing treatment was to put Hunter in Mon County pre-K which meant that he would go to school four days a week, full, full, full days um, at the big elementary school as a three-year-old. And I have a picture here of Hunter when he was three. Again, this was a really hard decision for us to make. One where we really wrestled and we had to face again, this is not what I expected. This was not our plan for our three-year-old. I was reminded of verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. We talked with family and friends, we prayed, we talked with the, the birth to three team and decided that even though having our three-year-old in school full-time was not our plan, that it was the best solution for Hunter giving him opportunity to interact with peers that were just slightly older than him would help him. It would help bring his speech along. It would help him with socialization and in other areas to try to get him on target as much as possible. And this is a picture of him uh, when he, on his first day of pre-K, that he had turned uh, three on like uh, his birthday, September 7th. So he turned three on September 7th and on like Monday, September 8th, he was, we were dropping him off at preschool. So as we said yes to the county to go ahead and find a spot for him, I got a call from the special ed preschool specialist about an opening that, had op that was available for him in the county at a pre-K site. She told me, um, we want to place him in a preschool that's, um, it's, in a, it's a private preschool, but it's a collaborative site with the county, which means that um, even though it's in a private setting, the teacher is a paid Mon County teacher. And um, I don't know if you know where this place is, she tells me, but it's located in a church um, downtown. And as she's telling me where this church is, I'm realizing this church, where he would go to preschool, is directly across the street from the office that I worked at. As I learned more about the school and the teacher that Hunter was going to have, 
this was, we saw that this was such a gift from God, another way we experienced joy. Not only did Hunter not have to go to the really big elementary school at three years old, but he would be conveniently located across the street from our office. So when he went to school every morning, we parked the car at the office, walked him across the street, dropped him off. I went to work at my office, and campus was right there, and at 2.30 every day, left my office and walked across the street to pick him up. It was such a gift. Not only was the location convenient, but the teachers there and the support we had was amazing. His teachers were Miss Dana and Miss Jessica. And later that year, his first year pre-K, Miss Dana, his teacher, would receive recognition for the Risa 7 Outstanding Pre-K Teacher for that year, which just goes to show you like, what an amazing, caring person that she was. Let's hop down to verse 12 here in the scripture and read a little bit more. It says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because they have stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I'm going to read this in a different uh, version this morning. When, as we've worked with international students over the years, we've come to like the NIRV, the New International Reader's Version, and that version is more of a, um, for people who English is their second language, it's more simplified English, but I think this version gets really to the point of this verse. Blessed is the person who keeps on going when times are hard. After they have come through hard times, this person will receive a crown. The crown is life itself. The Lord has promised it to those who love him. I think I would look back now on that Carla from the, the picture I showed you earlier, holding 10-month-old Hunter, and I would have some advice for her. I would say, Carla, you better get ready because the life that you have ahead of you, that you're expecting, the plan that you have, that's not going to happen. You're going to experience Challenges you never expected. It's going to be hard. But those challenges are going to teach you what pure joy and perseverance are. And this journey will be one where you'll be rewarded by Jesus. Rewarded both with full life now and in the one to come. That's what the crown is in this verse. A reward. And the reward is full life in this life and in the life to come when we're with Jesus forever. So how have I experienced this joy and this full life over the recent years now? Well, let me tell you, Hunter spent three years at that preschool with Miss Dana, and here's a picture of them at graduation. There were many trials with Hunter at the preschool, from communication issues, not being potty trained till he was four, he had a supervision schedule because he couldn't be trusted to be with, um, without an adult. He had trouble eating. We went through a season of him laughing at and hitting his classmates. But there were also many victories. Hunter began to combine words. And eventually those words formed into a sentence. And then he would say one or two sentences at a time. 
and two sentences turned into three. He began to eat well, because as he sat and he ate lunch with his peers, he saw them eating, and he started eating too. He started to be trusted to be without an adult. He was able to go down to the bathroom by himself, and he even made a few friends while he was at the preschool. One really special moment for us that I'll always treasure is Hunter at his fifth birthday party. I have a picture of that here. For his fifth birthday, this was the first time in Hunter's whole life that he could tell me what kind of birthday party he wanted to have. So when I asked him, he understood and he said dinosaurs. And let me tell you, we went crazy with dinosaurs for his birthday that year. It was so special to know what he want. We were able to know what he wanted and he articulated it to me. Blessed is the person who keeps on going when times are hard. After they have come through hard times, this person will receive a crown. The crown is life itself. The Lord has promised it to those who love him. Unless you've had a child in your life that's had trouble communicating, it's sometimes hard to describe what exactly that challenge was. When I look back on pictures of Hunter when he was one, two, three, and four, sometimes I wonder, what was going on in that little boy's head? I hope he knew how much I loved him. And I hope that he understood what I was saying to him and trying to teach him, even though often he could not communicate back to me that he understood what I was saying. It was definitely challenging. But here's an even more interesting thing that I've learned as Hunter has gotten older. In recent years, as Hunter's sister got older and as nieces and nephews were born and they started talking at two years old or even before two years old, I realized something. Yes, it was very hard not to have my firstborn child talk to me and really show understanding to almost age five. But I didn't realize how hard it really was because I didn't have an expectation for this. If he had been my second-born child or I had more experience being interacting with toddlers, I think I would have been more frustrated with him. As all these other toddlers in our lives began to talk at two and communicate from a young, young age, I looked at them and I thought, wow, I didn't know how hard that really was. I didn't even know what I was missing or what I could have had at two years old. But as I realized that, I realized that God definitely was producing perseverance in me. But in a way, he was protecting me from knowing how hard it really was. It reminds me of some more of this passage, if you'll follow along with me, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
I think we all face this temptation, right? We're all capable of this. So what I referred back to at the beginning of my story here, it would have been easy to blame God for Hunter's delay and challenges. I could have taken up that burden myself and I could have found a solution. I could have wallowed in my shame, my confusion, my anger, and my sadness. But I'm glad that I didn't, that God protected me from that destructive road. It says here in the scripture that after that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. I'm glad that I chose joy, wisdom, perseverance, faith, rather than this road of destruction that led to death. If I had allowed myself to turn away from God and hold on to all of those feelings of anger, shame, confusion, sadness, I would have missed the joy we found in Crystal or the joy we found with the preschool and with Miss Dana and all the progress the hunter made along the way. Even later when I saw what God was protecting me from, not knowing how hard it really was that my two, three, and four-year-old couldn't communicate with me, I could have gotten angry then that I didn't get that with my child. But I didn't. I just realized, wow, God, that was really hard. And you were protecting me from knowing how hard it really was. I want to talk about this last section of scripture before I finish up today. This scripture has been very rich to me as I've studied it the last couple of weeks, and I hope today it's impacting your life as well. Verse 16 says, My dear brothers and sisters, don't let anyone fool you. Every good and perfect gift is from God. This kind of gift comes down from the Father who created the heavenly lights. These lights create shadows that move, but the Father does not change like these shadows. I love the imagery here in these last set of verses we'll be looking at today. It says that God gives good and perfect gifts. It doesn't say that he gives evil gifts and that every good gift is from him, not just some of them. I had to learn this as we were going through our unexpected challenge and diagnosis with Hunter. And one of the ways I learned this was through Hunter's speech. As more and more words came, and even to this day when he speaks, I have learned to cherish each and every word that comes out of that kid's mouth. Each word is a gift. It's a good and perfect gift from God. And I I know I do this, and I think we all do this. We often take good gifts for granted, or we don't even recognize something as a gift. It took my son not being able to talk to me for me to realize that those words, everyone that comes out and still comes out, is a gift, a good and perfect gift from him. Verse 17 says, This kind of gift comes down from the Father who created the heavenly lights. These lights create shadows that move, but the Father does not change like these shadows. I love how this verse is showing us, again, God's sovereignty 
It's showing that he is creator God. He's the one who made the stars. And even though these stars make shadows and the shadows shift and change, God is not like that. That teaches us that God is consistent. We can be confident in his ability to give good gifts to us, especially in the midst of our trials and unexpected situations. One author puts it this way, this imagery of heavenly lights encourages us to look up for good gifts rather than down at our trials. And I don't think it's a coincidence either that the verses about joy and perseverance are tied in with verses about good gifts. They all come together. As I wrap up my story for you here this morning, I want you to think about your life and what it means to find joy and perseverance in the unexpected. I know for me, thinking back to that picture that I showed at the beginning, being here at the Capitol building with Hunter before we, we had no idea what was ahead of us, I was not expecting what was going to come our way. And I'm glad God protected me from a road of destruction. And that I remained faithful, even though this process was, still, was hard and it still is at times. Here are some truths from the word that I want you to remember this morning. Number one, we need to find joy and consider it pure joy for our unexpected circumstances. We need to know that this testing of our faith produces perseverance, which leads us to maturity and completeness in Christ so that we don't lack anything. We need to remember God's promise to us that there is blessing for the one who keeps on going when times are hard. After they've come through hard times, this person will receive a crown, a reward. The reward is full life in Christ, both now and forever. We also need to remember that each one of us is capable of being dragged away from God by our own evil desires, which will ultimately lead to death and separation. And finally, we need to remember that every good and perfect gift is from God. All good gifts are from him. God does not give evil gifts, and that we need to look to him for good gifts rather than just looking down at our trial or unexpected situation. So as the worship team comes back up this morning, some of you may be asking, I'm a practical person. I've sat through a lot of sermons that are like, yeah, that's good, but how do I do that? So I'm going to give you some just practical, how do I remember these truths this morning? One, I think we daily need the word of God in our lives. We are forgetful beings. Believe me, I am a forgetful being when it comes to God's word and remembering his promises. We daily need reminded of his truths. Remember this chapter, James 1, and look to other verses to encourage you and remind you of these truths. Two, this is why we need community. This is why we need each other. This is why new community, Buckhannon, even exists. 
we need to remind each other of the truths of this passage. We need to help and encourage a friend who is doubting and struggling when they're going through an unexpected challenge in their life. And we need each other to point out the good gifts that God is giving us in the midst of these trials. They will help us find joy and we help one another stay on that path of perseverance. So stay in the word, stay in community, and finally pray. We need to ask God to help us see the joy. I did, and it was amazing what he showed me. In doing so, it makes us strong as we persevere. And we need to ask God to show us those good gifts so we can see them. Those gifts might not be what we're expecting. Let's pray together.